0: bibles and i hope you do grab them and turn with me to luke chapter 1 luke chapter 1 going gonna look to a little bit at mary's song luke 1 46 through 55 the message really isn't going to be about mary so much as it is about the song that she sings it's a song that encapsulates all four weeks of advent and it's a song That talks a little bit about promises being kept, promises revealed, promises made a long, long time ago that are coming to be kept in the here and now. It's a song that covenant has been promised and covenant has been fulfilled. The song begins this way, uh, Luke chapter 1 verse 46, and Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I just want to read that one more time. So beautiful. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. It is, a, it is the Magnificat singing. And then And then this song, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, Jacob, remembering to be merciful to Abraham, And his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. In these last weeks of this Advent study, we've been looking at the family story of Jesus. Jesus comes from a family. We talked about how Jesus was connected all the way back to Jacob, Israel. Talked about Jesus coming from a place, a small, insignificant place, Bethlehem. And today, we talk a little bit about how Jesus comes from and fulfills God's great love story. God kept his promise in sending Jesus. In God's great love story, a story of covenant between the creator of the universe and humankind, the fulfillment of that covenant, the fulfillment of that covenant bond and the person of the word made flesh, Jesus, the son of God, As king of kings and Lord of lords, and as the great high priest of humanity, Jesus fulfills the longing of the human heart for a savior. How many of you, uh, just raise your hand, how many of you are familiar with the idea of covenant? You guys familiar with that idea? Pretty familiar? Most of you are, I imagine. In scripture, uh, covenant is really just a relationship between people covenant is a relationship between two partners who make binding promises to each other and then they work together towards this common goal in the bible a covenant is often accompanied by oaths or vows if you will signs sometimes even ceremonies covenants help define obligations and commitments but they're not really a contract uh, Contracts aren't personal. Contracts aren't relational. But a covenant is both personal and relational. Uh, In our day, marriage is probably the clearest example of biblical covenant. Uh, Anyone can get married, right? We know that. But not everyone enters into the marriage covenant. Uh, Christy and I sat around our kitchen table on Thursday night with a young couple who are getting married in the new year, and we talked a little bit about the marriage covenant versus the marriage ceremony. In the marriage covenant, we say vows to each other. We say, hey, I'm going to love you this way. In this particular case, this couple are going to write their own vows. Sometimes marriage's vows are said traditionally, you know, uh, to have and to hold from this day forward. It's very different than just a regular ceremony, if you will. These guys will exchange symbols, a ring... To help them to remember the covenant they're making, not just with each other, but with God Himself. That's what's super cool. The marriage covenant is not just between a husband and wife, the marriage covenant is relationship, marriage and wife, with God Himself. God then becomes the central figure of the covenant. God is the central figure of this relationship, Christy and I, our marriage relationship. He becomes the central figure in this covenant. Every time I look at this ring, I'm reminded of the marriage covenant. It is about Christie. She gave me this ring almost 34 years ago, but it's really about God. It's about the relationship that we have entered into with him. Covenants are one of the most important themes in scripture. They are the key to God's redemptive plan to restore humanity from its fallen space to restore humanity into really into its divine calling starting with Genesis way back in the beginning God enters into formal partnership or covenant with Adam and Eve and after that with other various humans in order to rescue this whole world and these divine partnerships this divine covenant drives the narrative of God's great love story until it reaches the climax in jesus himself so to tell the story of god's redeeming humanity through jesus is to tell the whole story of god's covenantal relationship with him i want to give you just a real quick overview from sort of a scriptural basis of what covenant looks like and um, the guys at the bible project did a really really great job at describing it way better than i could so take a look at this video
1: If you've been around Christians, you've probably heard of the idea of having a personal relationship with God, which could mean different things in the Bible, like having God as a friend, or your father, or maybe your teacher. But there's one particular way that the Bible talks about this relationship that you find all over. But strangely, we don't talk about it that much, and that's the idea of a partnership with God. A partnership like working alongside someone to accomplish a goal together. Right, and this is actually what you see at the beginning of the Bible. God creates this good world full of all of this potential. And then God appoints these unique creatures, humans, as his partners in bringing more and more goodness out of all that potential. But the humans don't want to partner with God. They rebel and try to create a world on their own terms. And so this broken partnership is the Bible's explanation for why we're stuck in a world of corruption and injustice and the tragedy of death. It's not like there's just one or two humans who have bailed on this relationship. In the story of the Bible, everyone has abandoned the partnership with God. So what God does is select a smaller group of people out of the many. And he makes a new partnership with them called a covenant. And in a covenant, God makes promises and then in exchange asks his partner to fulfill certain commitments. And the purpose of all of this is to somehow use this covenant relationship to renew his partnership with everybody else. Now, there are actually four times in the Old Testament that we're told God initiates a covenant relationship with Noah, Abraham, the nation of Israel, and King David. And it's through these that God is forming a covenant family into which all people will eventually be invited. So let's see how these work. The first one is with Noah. So in this story, God has just brought the flood to cleanse the world of humanity's corruption and Noah and his family are the only ones left. And so God makes a covenant with Noah saying, listen, I know that humans will continue to be evil, but despite that, I'm not going to destroy it like this again. Instead, The earth will be this reliable place for us to work together. Great, so what does Noah have to do? Nothing. And that's what's so interesting about this first covenant is that God is promising to be faithful even though he knows humans won't be. The next time we see God make a covenant is with a man named Abraham. God chooses him, promises to bless him, give him a large family, lots of land where they can flourish. And in return, God asks Abraham to trust him and train up his family to do what is right and just. And the whole reason for this covenant is God says that somehow he's going to bring his blessing to all families of the world through this one family. So that's Abraham. The next time we see God make a covenant is when Abraham's family grows into the tribe of Israel. And this covenant is with the whole tribe. God asks them to obey a set of laws, which are these guidelines for living well as a community of God's partners. And if they do this, then God promises to bless them and that they will become a people who then represent him to the rest of humanity. That's the covenant with Israel. The last covenant is with King David. Yeah, the tribe of Israel has become this large nation ruled by David. And God asked David and his descendants to partner with him by leading Israel in obeying the laws and doing what is right and just. And God promises that one day, one of David's sons will come and extend God's kingdom of peace and blessing over all the nations. So those are the four covenants that God makes in order to restore his partnership with the whole world. But here's what happens. Israel breaks the covenant. They worship other gods, they allow horrible injustice, and so they lose their land and are forced off into exile. So it seems hopeless. But during this time, Israel's prophets talked about a day when God would restore these covenants in spite of Israel's failure, somehow. Yeah, they called it the New Covenant. And this is actually what's so interesting about Jesus, is that he's introduced into this story as the one who fulfills all of these covenant relationships. We're told that he's from the family of Abraham, and so he will bring the blessings of that family to the whole world. Mm -hmm. We're told that he's the faithful Israelite who is able to truly obey the law. And we're told that he's the king from the line of David. And so he goes about extending God's kingdom of justice and peace to all. And that's really remarkable for one guy. Yeah, and what it highlights is perhaps the most surprising claim of all made about this man. That Jesus is no mere human, but rather God become human. And God did this in order to be that faithful covenant partner that we are all made to be, but have failed to be. And so through Jesus, God has opened up a way for anyone to be in a renewed partnership with him. So Jesus calls people to follow him and become part of this new covenant family. And despite their failures, Jesus is committed to making them into partners who are becoming more and more faithful. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a fully renewed world, full of goodness and peace. And there's this renewed humanity there, partnering together with God to expand the goodness of his creation. And so the end of the Bible story is really a new beginning.
0: Anyone here ever made a covenant and broken it? Or you've made a covenant with someone and that person has broken it? Uh, Either way, it's tragic. The good news of the gospel is God makes a covenant with us, which can never be broken. He makes a covenant with his people that he's going to keep his end of the bargain. God keeps his covenant. The story of humanity, the story of his church even, uh, the story of you and I, unfortunately, is that there are times and time again when we fail and fail again, And yet God continues to move toward us. He continues to come after us. He comes after us tenderly, yes, but he comes after us relentlessly. He cannot not come after us. When Mary begins her song, she's singing the song of fulfillment of God's covenant to his people. It's a song that her people really have been singing for a long, long time. Generations upon generations have been singing this song, in fact. If you have your Bibles and you want to flip over to Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, Jeremiah starts teaching the people, starts telling the people about God's new covenant that's going to come. It's a really important scene in the story of covenant. Jeremiah and Ezekiel, actually, talk a little bit about new covenant, a new covenant, but only Jeremiah names it this way. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34 records this promise of God. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It'll not be like the covenants that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of these to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. From this point on in the story, from this point on in the story of the people of God, they stopped looking backward. So much of the story of the people of Israel were always looking back. But from here, the trajectory was changed. Now the people of Israel started looking forward. They started looking forward to something. They started looking forward to the Messiah. No longer were they looking back. From here on out, they were looking forward for this new covenant. When Mary is singing this song, she's singing the song of fulfillment of the past chapters and now the hope of the future. His mercy extends To those who fear him, she says, from generation to generation, he has helped his servant Israel or Jacob, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever and ever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary is singing the song of God's promises, of God keeping his promises. Quick, 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 quick question for you What song are you singing? What song is your soul singing? this morning. Mary's song is about a song of God keeping his promises. What song are you singing this morning? The writer of our Advent devotional, Dan Wilt, he says this, it's fascinating that many of us read the Advent and Christmas story as if it's the story of those who faithfully follow Christ But it is not that small of a story. Yes, it includes us. But the good news of Christ's birth, life, death, and resurrection is the story of all humanity. Or it's nothing at all. I hope you caught that. You catch that? Might sound like a small story, but it has huge implications. This story is not just about the church. It's not just about Christmas carols. It's not just about cards or the baby in the manger. This Christmas is about your neighbor. It's about your coworker. This Christmas is about your cousin. This Christmas is about your friend. Your fellow human beings across time and space. It's the story of God reaching through the millennia through Jesus to you, to me, and to all those who will recognize his unrelenting covenant love for them, and will say yes to that. Yes to Jesus. And you know this, if you've been around this neighborhood for a while, you know that a lot of people in our neighborhood have yet to say yes. So many of our neighbors, so many of our neighborhoods have just flatly said, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Or, maybe more poignantly, so many people in our neighborhood have just kind of said, I mean, I don't know, I guess. Whatever. The truth is that this neighborhood and many of our neighbors have yet to say yes to the God who loved them and knew them before they ever took their first breath. That simple yes changes everything. It begins this process of transformation and renewal and healing of the human heart, leading us to live the life that Jesus meant for us to live, and then to lead others to that same fullness of the abundance of life. Scripture uses a lot of imagery when it talks about uh, our relationship to God. Um, or his relationship to humans, sometimes the imagery is father, or sometimes in the Psalms, even mother, a teacher, king, and all of those are true. But you might've heard in the video, the guys from the Bible Project highlighted this often overlooked aspect of our relationship with God, and that is that we are created to be partners with God. Like God could totally rule and reign this whole world by himself. He doesn't really need us, but he invites you and me to partner with him in his redemptive work. This is really important. Not only only have we been pursued by God, not only after failure and failure does God continue to come back to us time and time again. God actually invites us to become partners with him in carrying out his covenant love. We are partners with God in his work to compel, Jesus says, our neighbors to say yes. Yes. Eventually, Mary Mary gives birth to Jesus. And in that birth, she sings a different song, a quiet song, a beautiful song. She sings a lullaby. You guys know um, these verses of scripture. But Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. Joseph went... Up from the town of Nazareth Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he, longed to the ho- he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Because there was no guest room available for them. John the Beloved writes these words, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John would be one of those guys that was really tight with Jesus. Of the twelve, Jesus had an inner three. John the Beloved was one of those And for three years, he hears Jesus teaching, he hears Jesus talking, and he sees Jesus demonstrating this new way of living and this new way of loving. He hears Jesus talk in parable, and he hears him talk in poetry. Sometimes things get really mysterious with Jesus. Every once in a while, he gets apocalyptic. And then one night, Jesus speaks really directly. He speaks really simply And what he says will take John, the beloved, and Peter, and James, and every other follower of Jesus on the wildest and most beautiful adventure of all time. Jesus talks about the cross. But before that, before he goes to the cross, he establishes the new covenant. And he too is going to include a symbol to help us remember the covenant. Luke describes this scene this way. Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks, and he said, Take this. And divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you in this scene jesus inaugurates the new covenant it's the promise god makes with mankind that he will forgive sin that he will restore communion with those whose hearts believe in his son jesus christ jesus becomes the mediator of the new covenant and his death on the cross is the basis of that promise Jesus defeats death by his resurrection and restores life for all of those who choose to believe in him. And what's at the heart of this whole deal? The heart is love. When Jesus inaugurates this new covenant, he also gives us a new command. John the Beloved was there when this all went down. He records it this way. It was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. John 13, 1. And then later on, John describes Jesus saying these words, a new command I give you, Jesus says. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. A new covenant that includes a new command as i have loved you so you love one another like what that what might that really look like for us this year at christmas to take seriously this new covenant that we've been invited to not because of anything that we've done but because of god himself what would this look like if we actually lived into this truth of the new covenant that comes with this new command to love others as we have been loved by Jesus? I've been thinking about this a bunch this week. What if I framed everything this week this way? As Jesus has loved me, I what if you framed every meal that you're going to have over these next couple of days with family or friends or every gift that you're going to purchase still, if you're like me, you're still purchasing gifts. Every card that you're writing or every card that you're opening, what if you framed it this way? As Jesus has loved me, I will, I will express love through these gifts. I will love my dad as Christ has loved me. I will love my family. I will love my neighbor. I will love my coworker. I will love my cousin as Christ has loved me. As Jesus has loved me, I will love his world. What might that mean for you? As Jesus has loved me, When Jesus introduces this new covenant, much like covenants in the Bible, he chooses to use symbols, the bread and the wine. After breaking the bread and holding up the cup, he says, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Old song, sung. Jesus is saying, It's time to sing a new song. And it's a love song. Every time I look at my wedding ring, I'm renewing my commitment and my covenant every time we take communion. It's a reminder at the lengths God would go to keep his promise. When sanctuary began uh, 12 years ago, we had a small table in the corner and there was always communion elements available and we didn't make a big deal out of it. We just kind of sat it over there by itself. A year or so ago, we started setting up communion in the four corners of the room. And at first, we didn't make a big deal out of it. It was just set up as a reminder to anyone, to everyone that wanted to participate. But this morning, I can't help but say, guys, at the height, the depth of all that God has done for us, these symbols are really important for us to remember. I've been inviting you over these last months and today to remember Jesus through the taking of communion. It is a sacred act of remembrance. It doesn't cleanse us. It doesn't bring about forgiveness of sins. In fact, Paul says uh, to the church at Corinth, before you participate in this act, examine yourself. Uh, these are the words of Paul to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. 28. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread or drink the cup. I want to invite you to examine and to remember God's covenantal love today through the taking of communion. I'll say a prayer here in just a second and somebody will lead us in a time of worship. I want to invite you to come to the table to take and eat and remember the lengths that God has gone and is going to restore and renew relationship with you. One more word and one more passage of Scripture before I close. You and I are bearers of a covenant story with humanity in which God is the loving pursuer of the heart. You are the pursued Could we, could you, could I, the rest of this week, could we, just, could we just rest in the essential message of that story? That he has come for us. That you are loved by the creator of the universe and that he has come in flesh and blood so that you could know God and be known by God. That God knows your name. That God knows your need. That God knows the pain that you've incurred by covenants being broken. And that God has come for you. Only God can give us real hope. Only God can give us real peace. Only God can give us real joy. And only God can give us real love. He demonstrated his love by sending Jesus. Jesus, that's the name that God goes by at Christmas. And it is in Jesus that you and me and your family and your neighbors and your coworkers and the world will find the life for which we're all looking. After Jesus is crucified and resurrected and has ascended on high, John the Beloved gets another glimpse of All that God will go through, the extent in which God will keep his covenant, God's partnership with his people, and God's love for his people. Uh, The video pointed to it when said that at the end there would be this whole new humanity. John says it this way in Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things. Has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give without water, without cost, from the spring of the water of life. And those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. Let's pray together. My soul glorifies the Lord. God, would you move so powerfully within us that we could say nothing else My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. God, would you meet us in the places where our soul and spirit are not praising? Meet us in the places of sorrow and lament and fear and worry. You have come for our salvation, for our freedom. You've come. Would you help us say yes to you? Thank you for loving us. May we love as we have been loved. Jesus, we give you praise. We give you praise.